Welcome to Farming Internal, an eternal podcast for farmers, hosted by me, Patrick, and my co-host Ruben, or Barefoot Farmer. It's episode 10. For those of you tuning in for the first time, we are a draft-focused podcast. Our goal is to help you and me, mostly me, get better at draft. We get into the nitty-gritty of the drafting process with a little meta-analysis and play tips thrown in. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, so please give us a five-star rating or just like us. Literally, I'd be satisfied if you just like us. This week, we're going to do our usual card of the week. We're going to talk about the top commons, uncommons, and rares um, from all the deck lists that you guys sent us based on the spreadsheet that Ben's been working on. Then we're going to finish uh, bad cards with Ruben and go over a draft that I did right before recording this. So Ruben, how was uh, your draft week? It was good. I had fun. I have still been playing a balance of a bunch of different things. I I like to get my sealed games finished this Mm -hmm. week as well. I had the worst sealed pool ever. Like I literally just lost to a guy with a 60 card deck. So (laughs) that was a pretty good indication that I was dealing with some weaker cards um but drafting i had some good ones i actually just finished a 7-0 earlier today that was just karen and good stuff kind of aggressive deck oh, that's interesting yeah i mean it it you can look at it it's not the it doesn't look broken by any means it's just your hands match up well at the right times and you can get a seven but yeah it was that was a, a fun one how, how have you been doing what have you been up to all right, I've been going up and down the master ranks in draft. When was it? It was maybe Sunday. I think I went seven one oh three seven two oh three five three oh three. That's like sounds psychological or something, maybe. Yeah, I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know. It's it's mildly frustrating though. You have a really good draft and you follow it up by trying to get a little crazy and (laughs) it's just variance. Sometimes it's that, but then like there, one of my O threes was just like a really good deck. It was, it felt like a seven win deck and then just got beaten very badly. All right. So let's go to card of the week. This week, my card is blaze which is the four-power Fire Justice Shadow card that deals damage to an enemy equal to the number of units you have, and you gain armor equal to the number of units you have. And I picked this card because I know you don't like this, but I secretly think that this is a good card, and it always fails me. And I just don't understand why it hates me so much. I play car I play decks where you'd think it's the perfect blaze deck. I'll have three scavenges, three blazes, and do you think I could ever draw a scavenge in a blaze in the same game? Never. And so I just I just don't understand. Because <laughs> you're like keep keep uh proving that it's not worthy, but you believe deep down inside. It should be cuz you sh- Anytime I look at my board state when I don't have a blaze in my deck, I'm always like, man, there's like seven units on the board. We're in a board stall. Imagine if I just happen to have a blaze in this deck. It'd be amazing. Yeah. And then 
anytime I try to make a blaze deck, I have zero units on board. Yeah, well, when you're imagining the scenarios where it's good, you know, like you th- take a card that's actually good, like Conflagrate, and the yeah. amount of situations where you can imagine it being good are f- yeah. far greater. It's like on, on every level. So Blaze, because it costs a little too much to be super impactful, and, and you know, the to get to the point where a four-power removal spell, especially a four-power burn spell is doing enough to merit four power, you have to have at least, I'd say, four plus guys, four plus units on See, the board. But that's not true. You, only you have like guys, the, so. or the four fire fire card that deals three damage to an enemy and then gives plus two to a sentinel. Oh, yeah, that, that well, I kind of like it. I like it Yeah, you kind of reliable. Like it. it always does three. Blaze doesn't always do three, though. Blaze has a chance of being drawn and you just having a stranger and a three drop. And that's that's all you've got. Like, it does require some building around to make Blaze... I I, I won't say Blaze is, is unplayable, but I don't want to spoil the uh, the bad card list, but I think Blaze made it, yeah. didn't it? <laughs> I just don't understand. I've played Blaze so many times in the last few weeks trying to make it work, and I only wish i could hit someone with a blaze for three it's crazy i i mean i've lost to it before i i think it's like i said it's not a it's not a horrible card in the right situations but it it, it, you have too many crossroads like you have to have too many different like things intersect where you have to have exactly fjs influence type which isn't always that easy to manage and to hit four power and to have at least you know a few guys on the board to have a impact worthy of a four power removal card yeah i think that there's just too many things going on that keep it keep it down yeah it uh, yeah, just doesn't it, seem like three units should be that hard to do no it, it doesn't but do you know sometimes you're throwing people in front of five six just so you can win with a flyer or something i don't know <laughs> there's i know we can't go through every single scenario in our heads, but yeah, it's... So this is just more more of a plea to Blaze itself. I'm speaking directly to the card right now. <laughs> start start performing better, geez. Please stop failing me, because I, I'm the one that believes in you. Super I good. keep drafting <laughs> you, and you keep letting me down. Um, oh, well, my, oh. my card of the week, <clears throat> I chose a card that, unlike like Blaze, I feel like definitely before the set, or right when the set dropped, these two cards, I would have said Blaze was better, and the other, the my card of the week is Curator's Spear because I feel like this this card has shown itself to be a serious like role player in a lot of scenarios and in a lot of decks, just filling the slot for a two power early mm-hmm. removal spell. Essentially, I, I've I've just noticed that it it feels like it's usually pretty relevant, <laughs> and it's. I mean, it's not the greatest top deck by any means, but it it does a lot of interesting things. Like, uh, I think Curator Spear is one of the best cards to combo with um, the Excavator, the one that returns a the uncommon that returns a relic and stuff. Because Arachidon eggs, it's that's kind of you're not doing as much. Whereas getting Curator Spears back and reusing them and stuff, and and the ability to make them a little stronger with like a pitfall trap or something else 
another relic or two on on your board is really it makes it a two power it's like a it's like a cheap javelin in a lot of situations yeah when you have a one or two other relics so i think this this is a card that i i originally just totally ignored and now i'm kind of back on squeezing them in my decks occasionally i've always been a big fan of this card i think you know this is a there's a lot of two twos out there so this is you know this is often killing their two drop which is you know all you can ask for yeah sort of a, a defensive two power card yeah, I, I I think it's it's proven itself over time to <laughs> be yeah. a, l- a little better than we initially thought. Yeah. And and you know the at, there's also some really serious relic matters synergies that can you can pull together too. And curator spare is one of the absolute best ones whenever those come together. When you have you know con- not just consuming greeds but lethray courtiers and stuff, having these cheap but impactful relics are is awesome. Let's go to our seven-win run breakdown. As of this recording, we now have 188 deck lists that have been sent in, which has been pretty amazing. We haven't done one of these, so I'm going to just do a quick overview of a few things. One is the top two drafted colors of the seven-win decks that we receive are Fire and Primal, and they keep kind of pulling ahead each week a little bit more and more. Like the drafted color pairs, the top three color pairs are Skycrag, Rakano, and Elysian. So I feel like at least the decks that we're getting sent is leading me. And I've been feeling this, feeling the same way recently that kind of doing something with Fire, Time, Justice Primal is kind of the way to go. And Shadow actually has been sort of... We're getting fewer Shadow decks per week every week, more or less. Yeah, I remember when we started the list, Xenon was kind of on top for the, yes. first, for the first week or two. And then, yeah, it seems like now that we've, we've finally really gotten <laughs> more st- statistically significant numbers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it looks like... I mean, Shadow's frequency is down to 45% opposed to... the primal at the top is 63 percent that that's a pretty big gap yes in uh in frequency i'd say so yeah it it looks like genev and and uh ixton have kind of come out on top as yep. the and, best like tri-faction combos too um, and they're the the tri-factions that we have the most of actually we have um 34 of the decks are just straight ixton 30 of the decks are straight Genev decks. And then there's more, you know, when you include splashes and stuff too. So with that in mind, I wanted to go over the top five commons, kind of what we did talk about a little bit of what we talked about last week, but last week we just um, only had 47 decks. And this week we have all the decks sort of in the new spreadsheet. Yeah. So change things up too. Yeah, so it changed things up a little bit. What this leads to, the top five commons are Conflagrate, Clarendon Steward, Bannerman, Token of Instinct, and Coastal Beastmaster. I kind of think, actually, that all three of these are, or all five of these, are interesting in their own right. Conflagrate just being, I think, an unsurprising top card. 
Um, you know, fire is one of our most drafted colors. So it's unsurprising that a fire card would be first. And Conflagrate is just a powerful card that you'd be happy to splash, happy to play, happy to play as many as you want. That one is number one with, uh, yeah. <laughs> then Carandon Steward is number two. And what's weird is there are way fewer shadow decks in our spreadsheet than there are fire decks. So the fact that Karen and Stewart has almost as many, we ha there's almost as many copies of Karen and Stewart, kind of leads me to believe that if you're sh Karen and Stewart is like essential to a good shadow deck. Yeah, actually. it's like carrying shadow. Yeah, <laughs> on the in the common slot, I think it is. It's it's yeah. super impactful. It's better than most uncommons you can get. And so, three quarters of the decks have Karen and Steward. Three quarter of the shadow decks, as compared to half the half the fire decks have a powerful grade. So you kind of see that like what that's kind of saying is like Karen and Steward is sort of way above replacement level. It's like like I said, carrying the shadow decks a little bit. Yeah. Then, I, I can see and and fire has proven itself to be a little deeper. Yeah. On the on the common level especially. And then um Bannerman is number three, and I think this is kind of the only surprising thing is this isn't number one in the sense <laughs> that every deck can play a Bannerman. Yeah. You know, and it's just like a solid, a solid two drop that any deck would want to play. Then Token of Instinct, that kind of, um, I don't know, I, I guess it's kind of interesting that the fourth card is a token and it's the Genev token. Well, I, I think the Genev decks tend to be a little focused on going big so probably like getting their fixing from token tokens more than some of the other color combos potentially yeah and because if i'm the yeah. power of uh, power or influence hungry faction i think yeah yeah that's all yeah i, I think so too i but th you know there might be this this might just be revealing that Genev is the best. <laughs> the best. Yeah, it's just the most played, so we're going to see a lot of... And that it's also used to splash a lot of super powerful cards as well. Yeah. Um, because even a deck that's not pure Genev might want to throw some Token of Instincts in to make sure they can play a Frost Wave or... Well, I mean, there's so many high-impact cards in Genev. Yeah, and it, if you're Ixten, you wouldn't mind playing a Token of Instinct because you got your Fire and Primal in there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. There, there could be a lot of different things affecting what, why this is so much higher than the others. But which leads us to number five, Coastal Beastmaster, is kind of blowing my mind a little bit, <laughs> right? Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> you would not think that one of the top five commons would be a tri faction card. I think it's just so powerful that I've, yeah. I, I think that this card can carry a game a lot of times on its own um and frequently does in my experience i i'm i'm very much happy to pick this over most of even looking down at these top uncommons that we're about to cover i think coastal beastmaster outclasses like most of them <laughs> yeah which is crazy to say for a common yeah that it's it's awesome it's a great card it just means that like coastal beast master it's another one of those cards that's doing a lot more work 
than sort of a replacement level card would be doing. And this kind of makes me think that like Coastal Beastmaster is a card that's just like worth splashing for. Like you should find ways to make your deck be able to play Coastal Beastmasters if they're getting passed to you. Yeah, and and what's the top end also on how many Beastmasters a deck wants to play? Because I, I feel like if I'm in those colors pretty solidly, two or three is fine like yeah, maybe yeah. maybe i wouldn't want more than three but i'd I'd put three beastmasters in a deck and guarantee that dropping that guy on turn five yes yeah so let's go there's to some the there's some other commons that were kind of close in the running like intimidator was like one off i think and mighty strikes was way up there too yeah yep yeah. uh mighty strikes was six and intimidator was seven oh, okay and they were you know about four or five lower than the coastal beast master. So there we, I kind of put them in my head in a slightly separate tier, but it is also interesting that intimidator is another one of those shadow cards that at seven is also surprising because, because again, shadow actually doesn't win that often, but when it does, it has a lot of Carindon stewards and it has a lot of left, right intimidators. Yeah. So now top on commons. Um, there's Locus, Courier, Albatross, Parry, Display of Instinct, and Loyal Falcon. This is kind of interesting, I think, because, you know, even though blue is one of the top um, winning colors that we have, there were actually no real, just like straight blue top commons. So yeah. it feels like a lot of blue's power is in the uncommon slot. Um, yeah. Because yeah, right like below they... this, there's a uh, frost wave was um, six or seven, and um, Mantisaur was a little bit below that too. So some of the the really powerful effects in in primal are like frost wave and flash freeze and stuff, and I think you do have there's a a limit to how many of those effects you want <laughs> in <laughs> your deck, but you do want them. You almost always want at least a couple of them because of the blowout potentials just insanely high for especially um the fast speed because they're fast spell stuns they're just they mess up combat and just push through two attacks i mean they do everything and they're super powerful so yeah i think you're right there there are some fringe cards that are played in lesser numbers that are keeping primal <laughs> super competitive yeah but yeah, here you see in the uncommon slot like Courier, Albatross, Parry, Display of Instinct, all primal cards, and are amazing um, mm-hmm. all around. Nothing feels worse than having your opponent top deck an Albatross on nine power. <laughs> yeah, you're like, all right, I think I finally stabilized, and then they go draw a bunch of cards. Oh no, yeah, it's it's very good. <laughs> I like that Locust is up there, too, in the top uncommons. I know, that's what I, I get I firmly for stand throwing it. shade at it the other day. Yeah, it's just a 2-2 flyer for two. And in the current format, at that rate, is really hard to answer effectively, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times you don't, you don't want to work up towards, you know, mob ruling a Locust or something. But unless you, if you don't, that thing will get through for eight plus damage a lot of times that that can be the difference it's why i kind of mentioned even flickerling as being (laughs) a really playable card currently because it seems like a lot of games 
you you know somebody just drops a makeshift barrier and it's like okay i guess we're not doing anything for a while and yeah. if you're the one that got the flyers out earlier you're in the driver's seat in those games and then um the other card uncommon that i wanted to shout out as kind of being a little interesting is the first card from the draft packs is lumen defender which is which is number 8 in the list just a few it, even though even though it's eighth in the list it's just a few cards below locus but what's kind of interesting is because there are so many more uncommons in the draft packs there should be way fewer lumen defenders than there than there are represented in the list do you know what i mean yeah yeah so so lumen defender might be right up here with these and maybe even a little notch above in some yeah ways. it actually is as for how many you would expect to see, it would be, you know, if you like accounted for that, it would end up actually there would be more, there's sort of more Lumen Defenders than Locusts represented for how many you would expect there to be. All right. And then the top rares. And I think these names will be familiar to everyone. The top three rares. Number one is Elder Astrologer. Number two, Moonstone Vanguard, and number three, Burn Them All. I, I'm having trouble imagining better ones. Well, in Defiance, obviously, there's I think like Obelisk exists in the draft packs. So there's there's a few cards that that in the draft packs would maybe be slightly more bomby. Out of well, Defiance, those are I I love those three cards. That's... Well, and then number four is actually from the draft pack. Really, and I guess, and it turns out, and the fact that it's number four means it's like way above what you would expect a draft pack rare to be, and it's Eye of Winter. Oh, yes. Which that it turns is a... out is the bombiest of bomb bombs based on our data. I concur. Yeah. <laughs> that card is insane. I, I think uh, anytime you draw it, you just about win the game. It's It's really hard to to not win when you're getting to stun something for two power every turn yes so all right that that is i mean it's useful information so if you ever if for some reason you weren't totally sold on eye of winter um that card is so powerful you should be trying to splash it just like you would obelisk or something too they're very very powerful yeah and you know that this is another thing this is like the fact that Elder Astrologer is here is like another one of the weird things where even though Shadow, it's it's like all the Shadow decks that have gotten seven wins look more or less the same. Because even though Shadows are least winning color, all of its good cards are in the top cards. So I, anyway, so that was just a, kind of like an interesting overview. We're going to be talking more about this um, as the weeks go by. But well, I just the, thought... yeah, at the very least, now we have the the tools and everything, especially thanks to all of Ben's hard work on yes. this, on the statistics and the spreadsheet. That in the future, when set turnover does happen, we can be ready to uh, analyze data quickly and <laughs> start bring in some interesting things to everybody yep and um yes i think uh, over the coming weeks we'll kind of go um do a deep dive by color and stuff like that and just talk more about what all of this means 
So now on to our main topic, which will be finishing up um, the bad cards uh, talk that we started last week. We're moving on to Primal next, which also had four cards. Uh, first one, uh, Steely Resolve is the zero cost negate an enemy spell that costs one or less. This card is just terrible. <laughs> Don't ever play this card. Like you, you can you can say like, oh, but there's a case where you you know you counter their their finest hour or something, and it's just total. That's a just completely irrelevant argument because 95 percent of the time it's just going to be a dead card in your hand. Um, it's just going to sit there and do absolutely nothing the whole game, and then you're going to wish you had anything, just a power. A unit, anything other than this. So yeah, I, I feel like I, the, my argument against all of these zero cost cards sound exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, don't this, touch these cards. This is the only, or I guess that's not true. This is another one of the zero cost cards, along with the time one, where there has been a seven win deck. Yeah, I remember seeing it, and I remember thinking at the time that just oh, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. make any sense. I like. I actually, I remember the deck. It was a really nice deck. It just yeah, there's no reason to put this card in it if you have anything else. Yeah, I the the costs of one, there's just not that many great one cost spells. I mean they're there's like finest hour, but they're not seen that often. No. I feel like I feel like if the pack two and three were less diluted and like torch was also in the format, then maybe you're like starting to get closer, but there's just not enough. I think one cost spells to make it worth it. Yeah, this card this card could be constructed playable, but we're not we're not going to get into that stuff too yeah. much. <laughs> anyway, next up in primal is reinforced tower shield, and that is the two cost relic weapon. Uh, it's not much of a weapon; it just gives you plus O plus four, so that's just got four health, so it doesn't actually hit anything. Um, when you play it, you you summon it. You also gain uh, time or sh- or shadow influence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so I think this is like very fringely playable if you're super desperate for relics. I've I've played it before in decks. I, I've had to like I had a triple consuming greed deck where I like I I went all in on the consuming greeds and then I didn't quite get enough relics. So I was pretty much forced to fit this as like a fifth relic or something like that just to make it <laughs> work better. Um, but generally speaking, this is usually just a horrible card. And it, it's just kind of a slow life life gain card, essentially. And the, the fixing is like similar to the research assistant that we talked about earlier. The, the fixing should hopefully be irrelevant for you you don't want to be relying on this to do fixing for you right i suppose if you're if your draft goes horribly off the rails and you end up having a three you know a, a three colored you know time shadow uh primal deck like and you just had no piece, pieces of fixing maybe you'd want to throw this in just to make sure you can play your cards but i, I feel like those cases are going to be really rare and next up on the list is an uncommon. And oh, this is this is a good one. This one's not gonna have any arguments, I think. Is Lens of Clarity. And this is a four cost relic. Uh your spells deal plus one damage. <laughs> That's it. That's all the text on this thing. Um it's uh neck and neck with Cautious Traveler and I think the uh, sustaining heart right now, uh for worst uh uncommon. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, this this card's so bad. I it, like I, I feel like even if it dealt extra da- like more than just plus one damage, you still wouldn't want to draft this. Like it would be really hard to make it make sense. Yeah, I um, agree. Yeah, it it just I, I this is one of those cards you just kind of scratch your head cuz it's not doing anything for any format really. <laughs> uh next one up is Mass Intimacy. You, this is this is on the slightly more playable side of of this list. It's the four cost double primal spell that you transform a unit into a humbug. That's just the one one flyer, and it has amplify four. And I, I think this this is firmly bad, but also sometimes is necessary in in like a bad deck or like a wormstone deck. If you had a, a, a bunch of wormstones and you needed just an extra way or two to trigger them um this could fill the fit the bill but yeah it's uh it's just bad we we've talked about how the how transformation effects are also really bad in a format that's has quite a few weapons Mm -hmm. and people are really beating you down with weapons and at times you just will upgrade their guy (laughs) yeah like you do this to their ground unit who has a weapon on it and suddenly they've got a flying guy with the weapon on it and they're like all right i'll beat you like this yeah and the amplify is also you just it's hard to pull off it's it's amplify of four so you need to get all the way up to eight to get the double intimacy off so it's it's not a good card yeah and you never i never see this card anymore I yeah, saw it I, I don't more at the beginning of the format, but I think everyone got the memo on this <laughs> yeah. card. It, you you probably play it enough times to know that it doesn't feel good. Um, so that's it for Primal. And now we're moving into uh, Shadow. And this one's got some interesting, maybe more arguable uh, ones. The first one, once again, uh, borrowed, in, borrowed Violence, which is the zero cost. Each unit in your hand gets plus one attack so bad <laughs> i've actually had this played against me before and it was as expected terrible but not a lot else to say about the zero costing cards they're all horrible and should be avoided at all costs um next one up is cabal scavenger which is the one cost one two with lifesteal and when you play a relic deal one to an opponent um i think you know this this Unit can carry weapons all right in all, in some decks, but it's really just not very good in most of the decks you're going to be building. Um, like a, a, a one cost one two, like a, like the Oni for example, the Samurai has just a much more powerful effect than just yeah. the steel and the the pinging effect. So there, you I wouldn't put them in the same category to be honest. Like. Um, because th- this doesn't develop your your deck at all. It doesn't do anything else but, you know, maybe gain a little life and ping them a couple times. Yeah, I I wish this had was a better card. You <laughs> yeah, know? <laughs> I know. You look at it and you're like, ooh, I love one drops that seem to do stuff. But, but... The, the more you look at it, the more you're like, well, it also just doesn't it doesn't trade up with much at all. Yeah. And the uh, that other um, the two cost uh, one three that gets plus one, and un- does it always have unblockable? It might always have unblockable. Uh, Shadow card is just like such a better like fast aggressive uh, oh, relic yeah, payoff. Yeah. 
Yeah, that guy's that guy's a much better the unblockable elf. Yeah, yeah, he's way better. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm I'm sure that some people have had some some success here and there with Qual Scavenger or or been forced to play it just because they needed more guys to sack to Thorn Beast. Maybe you know that that's a valid. Uh, this is a valid card in that type of deck because sometimes those ravenous Thorn Beasts fly around and pack two and three. You'll see like you know, four or five of them even. Um, and you can pick up a bunch of those and that's something like Cabal Scavenger is a, a decent way to set him up and turn him into a 5-5. Five five. Um, but the next one is Rat Cage. Um, I firmly think this is just a bad card. It's the one-cost relic. When you play a relic, including the Rat Cage, you play a rat. Um, but rats are just terrible. Rats... they for those, if anybody's new, rats don't block, so <laughs> uh, they're just one ones that can't block. So they don't they don't help stall the board. They don't attack well. They're they're it. So I don't I don't like thinking of this card as a relic payoff at all either. Um, and it's only playable in like absolutely dedicated relic decks that are like really already struggling to get their relic count up. You know that you had a bunch of. Um, consuming greeds and you just needed that it's this, the same argument as the reinforced tower shield for me with rat cage yeah um, they're they're similarly bad though though then, are you ready for this curve turn one rat cage turn three ravenous thorn beast turn four consuming greed you're doing that, it though yeah that's that sounds all right <clears throat> but you can also like frost talisman to sack to consuming greed or <laughs> i don't know there's there's his better cards. I think the rat, the rats just don't do much on their own, and and uh, there's also the you know the overlap between go wide strategies that want a ton of guys and relic decks doesn't actually exist. Like that's yeah. not a thing. I, I've I never agree. seen that. I don't think that's really though. If you do get a ton of really late rat cages, like you ended up, I have heard of this happening. I've never seen it myself. If you get like four or five rat cages, things can get insane because you can rat cage into rat cage into like flood your board out on like you know instantly, basically. Like every time you play a relic, you're getting like three rats or something. It's so that, I, I feel like that, but you know that's irrelevant. This card's still bad. <laughs> Okay. All right, so our next one um, is another uncommon blood quill. This is another relic. It's the two cost relic. Once per turn, you may pay two to discard the bottom card of your deck to give a unit lifesteal uh, until end of turn. Not permanently, unfortunately. Uh, and it has a summon of discard the bottom two cards of your deck. Um, yeah, this, no, this is. I just don't like this card. Um, it's just a bad and situational life gain card, essentially. Um, and once again, it, it, you know, with with the Rat Cage and the Tower Shield, if you really needed extra relics, this this can play that role. But for the most part, you're going to want other things to to do that for you. Yeah, yeah. This is the card that I I don't know. I really wanted. This is another one where I really want it to be good. It never makes my deck. I sometimes pick it to try. It seems like repeatable lifesteal should be good. You know, you play this in like a Xenon deck with some big time units. 
and you're just like never going to die. But I've never been brave enough to pull the trigger on it. So, yeah, well, it's a card that just doesn't impact the board in any sort of way. And 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 also, it un, unlike um, uh, what's what's it called? Passage. Secret passage. Secret secret passage is a great card. That that card is almost like highly pickable in my opinion. It it gives an impact the turn it comes into play. It doesn't require extra um, power invested to get the effect. This this costs two to play, and then you have to pay an extra two to activate it. So it costs four up front to even get the first impact. Um, and the discarding the bottom cards of your deck and stuff are just are totally irrelevant in this format at the moment. There's no void matters stuff, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, yeah. Avoid this card. Uh, next, we have another another uncommon. You'll see that I, now that I'm looking at it, there's a lot of uncommons in this shadow list. Uh, Oblivio Bot. And this is a two-cost 5-1. That sounds good, doesn't it? But when you empower, you sacrifice it. So <laughs> you just... Anytime you play a power, you just immediately have to sacrifice it. So it forces you to just stop at two, I guess, if you don't want this to die. Um, yeah, I don't think you ever want to delay your your game plan for this card. Um, I don't think a 5-1, it's, it's, it trades down with everything. And it just kills itself if you want to play the rest of the cards in your deck. So right. that, yeah, this... This could be this could be right up there with the other worst cards and worst uncommons. I still think what we're leaning towards lends clarity, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I do. I <laughs> or, think or I've heard <laughs> heard a person make the argument that what you're kind of getting is either you're trading one for one with their two drop, probably, or maybe if you're lucky, they're three drop, or it's a two power deal five to the face. Which is like not a horrible rate. Yeah, that sounds like it. the The potential for that is pretty rare to actually have that work smoothly, where you attack with it and and they just you know don't have anything. To but block if they it. do have anything, you're just trading one for one, which is not the worst thing in the world, right? Yeah, but but say they choose not to block, are you just going to pass turn and then they play a power so? I, I feel no, like no, I would, but will, if, I would if they choose not to block, then you've done much. five damage. Then it's become an infernus. Okay, yeah, I see. I, I still don't think infernus is the card you want to be playing anyway. I, yeah, no, it, I agree. And like, you feel really bad if they play like a Grenadine drone on turn one. Yeah, then just, this is the worst yeah, card. This format's all about the vanilla two drops and the bannermen and yeah. strange, strangers and stuff. So if they if they just play a stranger. And you play this, like, yeah, what, they just sit there, and then you attack, and then they block, and that's that's it. Like, that's all it did. Yeah, like, no, but, I mean, that's a one-for-one. One. That's not, <laughs> it's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I guess it's a better top deck than a stranger to late game, right? Yeah. There's that argument. But on turn two, this thing is just awful to me. <clears throat> the next one, and this one, I don't know, maybe it's contentious, I'm not sure. I haven't actually seen it do much is uh, sadistically another uncommon and this is the six power five five um and the enemy when you summon it the enemy player discards the top two cards for each of your units and i i I just think this is just a five five for six 
So if your deck really needs a five five for six, that's it's fair. Like <clears throat> sometimes you do. Sometimes you just don't have a lot of top end and you just need something to squeak in there. Um, but I, I think that the mill effect is usually pretty pointless. And comboing this with some sort of go-wide deck, you're going to need a lot of luck to make that <laughs> happen. Um, I have lost to this card once, so I, it has to be said that it, it, it has won a game, in my experience at least. But I would never p waste an early pick on this card, especially yeah. pack, pack one. I would never pick this card. I feel like you see this card running around really late because of that, because it just doesn't really have a fit. Yeah, so that's Sadistic Glee. I feel like that that's a card when I initially appraised the set. I probably had, you know, higher than a 1 out of 5, but went back down to 0 pretty quickly. Uh, and that's it for Shadow. Now we're moving on to its pretty short list of multi-faction cards that I think are in this bad card list. Uh, the first one is Penitent Bull, which is a Cambrai 3-2 for 4. And you pay five to sacrifice it and play three random depleted power from your deck. I, I think there are decks where this card can do amazing things. So it's not in the same category with the some of the other horrible cards we've covered. I do think that you want to be avoiding this. Mostly because Combray is not really a supported <laughs> uh, dual faction very, very easily. And also just because a lot of games it's a 3-2 for 4. And the, the sack effect um, is also a slow, delayed. You're paying nine to get that effect to get the three random power that are depleted too. If they if they played three random power undepleted, this, you know, I think that would push this into a, a much more playable spot. But as, as it's as it's spelled out, it's not very good. I actually just lost to this card recently, so that's why I'm being a little. Oh, nice, nicer about it, because I, I, I think he played uh, two Resolute Monks on me, and uh -huh. and then played this on turn four. He went Resolute Monk into Resolute Monk into Penitent Bull, and I was like, oh no! And my hand was really slow and not just not impressive. And yeah, I was just dead on the spot. Unlikely, but possible. Unlikely, but possible. Yeah, I, I, I would say Penitent Bull. You keep it in the back of your mind as maybe something that can. Uh, round out some really cool empower deck, but I, I have trouble making those empower decks work on my own too. I feel like maybe if they were better, a supported strategy in this format, maybe that card would be a lot better. But um, that actually leads pretty well into my next one, which is Lost Scroll. And I think this this is probably the best card on this whole list. Um, and it's the two cost Arjunport card spell that you play a Justice or Shadow Sigil depleted. I, I still don't think you want to be ever wasting early picks on this. I think you can round out your deck with these at times, and I have plenty of times. Um, but never, I would never pick this over an actual decent unit or a removal spell or anything like that. You know, it's to me, I feel like you wait until pack four and see if you're in something like a Carindon, you know, Sentinel ramp deck or something. But yeah, I, I've played Lost Scroll multiple times, so I, I I don't I don't think I'm gonna say that it's horrible and unplayable. But I agree. I think I think it's a little bit of a trap because you know you think it's ramp, but guaranteeing justice 
Justice Shadow on turn two. Very hard. Really hard. And yeah. I... So you're not often playing this on turn two in a normal deck, I think. And so this can often just be like sitting in your hand until you don't actually need it anymore, almost sometimes. You know, if this helped for fixing, you're fixing somehow, I think it would be a great card. But because it's actually so color intensive, it it seems like a very sort of risky card to play in your deck. Yeah, I agree. If it costs like one shadow or something, that would be well, much yeah. easier to pull off and draft at least. Um, and the next one up is the last multi-faction card, uh, Blaze, which is the four cost FJS, you know, Winchest spell that you deal damage to an enemy equal to the number of your units and you gain that much armor. Uh, I, I think this this is similar to Lost Scroll. Like it has plenty of homes. Like this card is fine to pick. Especially once again, pick and pack four if you're already like settled into your go wide deck. Even then it, it can still feel situational and a little bit slow on the slow side. Um this this card actually got buffed and I feel like it still belongs in the, the bad the bad card list, unfortunately. I, I've 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 had this card I've played it myself and done pretty well and had it played against me uh, a number of times, but generally speaking it just is not it it's the number of times where it sits in your hand unplayed or, you know, just isn't isn't coming up in time or say you know you only managed to play two guys <laughs> to your board this is a four cost two damage you know it's just not good enough so now we'll move into the final three colorless cards as uh, astromancer's compass is the first one and that's the one cost relic once per turn pay two to give a unit plus one plus one this turn <clears throat> and uh, this card i feel like is very fringely playable in Relic Matters decks. Like I think I've I've had a couple decks where I had to play this, but generally speaking, it's not good. I wish it it could trigger Renown, but I, it doesn't even do that. So if it did that, it would be it'd be much better. Yeah, and the next one I know is near and dear to your heart <laughs> is Replicator Engine, and I know that you you have been brewing up a storm with this card and and constructed. But in draft, uh, I actually saw some people arguing about this on Twitch recently. Um, I think this card is just terrible. It's a three. It's the two one for three. Summon you draw another replicator engine from your deck. Um, I don't think you should ever go out of your way to pick these cards. Sometimes they'll like fall into your lap, and you'll get a few of them. I still feel like even in those situations, they're not great. Maybe if you get three of them, you could fill out your deck with them but it's it still feels like a, a waste of space to a certain degree yeah um, i know what <clears throat> this is the one card where i'm going to argue but not really argue with you because <laughs> i do think that this card could be good i think it's problem and i just came to this this week while i was meditating on replicator engines is they're not in all four packs i think if replicator engines were in all four packs you could get the density of replicator engines to make it worth it. You know, because what, I that, what's that number for you? <laughs> I don't I don't like know what four it is. or five. <laughs> but if you had four or five of these, I think you'd play it. Yeah. I I still think, you know, your opponent has a two three and 
you're just keep drawing two ones and wasting your turn playing three power two ones. I it just it seems like like you want to think that it's like a card advantage engine, but it's a card advantage engine that's just drawing you more bad units, you know. And that that to me just doesn't feel like a, yeah. a, a worthwhile use of space <laughs> in your deck. Yeah, I guess my only context for this is um, Magic, where in Ixalan they had a 3-mana 2-2 white card that did the same thing. And when they did Rivals, so you drafted Rivals, Rivals, Ixalan, they also included it in Rivals, and Rivals was a small set, so there were like a lot of them, and they were in all three packs. And all of a sudden, because it was a small set and you could get the density of it, it became like one of the number one commons. Yeah, it's it would be hard to imagine, even if they did that with Replicator Engine, like that, you know, maybe if people started all fighting over them, that may, just keeps making it worse, right? <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, I, and think, it, I think you'd be surprised if you had five of them in your deck. I think you'd be surprised. So next, this is the final card on this on this bad card list is a rumbling contraption and that is the seven cost six four with overwhelm and you when you summon exhaust it i I still personally never seen anyone play this card it always like kind of blows my mind when i see it from time to time i'm like oh right that card exists that's crazy is anybody ever gonna play that i'm not going to i don't know if you've had it played against you i haven't had it played against me nor have i ever played it i think Every faction has a good enough unit, top-end unit, that's better than that. It doesn't make any sense. And that that's it. That's all I've got here. And so, yeah, the, the breakdown, you know, was fire, despite being one of my favorite uh, colors to draft, had the most cards on this list. Um, I don't... I don't know how much this actually means <laughs> or whether you can draw any conclusions from that. I just I just wanted to put together this list to uh stimulate some discussion and you know maybe maybe there's some cards that i i missed here and if you if you can think of something that 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 belongs here let me know also yeah it's interesting because i think people sometimes consider fire one of the deepest colors yet it also has so many bad cards all right so now on to the draft speaking of our top rares uh Pack one, pick one, cards in contention are Elder Astrologer, Locust, and Mighty Strike. We have the uh, top rare versus the top uncommon <laughs> versus the number six common. Yeah, and I think that's the easy Astrologer. Easy Astrologer, and I took Astrologer. Yeah, I, I've seen people get past this card multiple times now, and it never fails to blow my mind. <laughs> I agree. Why, a 4-4 four, four flyer for five... If without any other text, would be very playable. Yes. And the fact that it also has a crazy swingy summon effect of, you know, plus X plus O and life steal is insane. It just turns a race on its head every single time you get it. All right. So pack pack one, pick two. Uh, Cards in contention. There's a Howling Peak Smuggler, an Unmoored Valkyrie, and a Scorpion. So... There is the rare still in the pack, the Howling Peak Smuggler, which is the three Fire Primal 2-2 two, two 
smuggler that gives you plus one damage. So not the best smuggler in the world, I don't think. But then the pack quality is definitely lower than that first pack. I, yeah, I think you didn't mention Moth. I think Moth is, for me, a little better than Scorpion on average in most decks. I, I think Scorpions are really good, but they they die to a lot of simple ping effects and stuff also. Mm-hmm. Um, but you ended up just going with the Smuggler here. Yes, I did. I, I like that. I mean, we've talked about how frequently we're seeing smugglers and merchants in <laughs> seven win decks yeah good they're just so powerful and they kind of if you manage to get a toolbox of any kind together um to go in your market you can always it's super powerful effect swapping a power out especially late game for something like a big you know beefy uh, there's so many beefy units and stuff to go around late yeah you pretty much always can guarantee finding one for your market and maybe even a honey pot or some diddly uh, direct damage or removal spell or something. Uh, yeah, I think I like picking smuggler. Yeah, and we we've talked about you sort of first few packs you just pick for power. I guess not that smuggler super powerful, but yeah, it kind of sucks that the smugglers in Skycrag, which doesn't really mix with our shadow, right? Astrologer, but and then all right, so uh, pick three. Cards in contention, there's a Frost Wave, which is the one primal stun an enemy unit, Amplify 3, stun an additional enemy unit. There's a New Order Watch Wing, which is the six Justice Justice 4-4 four, four flying uh, creature, where you, Renown, you play a relic equal to, the um, with power and toughness equal to the cost of the spell or weapon. And there's an Infused Guardian. Nice. And I took the Frost Wave. I Seems like that. Defensible, yeah, right? Very defensible. Yeah. yeah so I, I almost always want a frost wave in one of my decks. Yeah. So I was like I, feeling yeah, it's, it's pretty un- good about this draft right now. Yeah, that's a great start. I mean, because any direction you go, you can abandon the astrologer and you're left with a smuggler and a frost wave. You can abandon the the smuggler and still have a frost wave and an astrologer. And you know, or you can splash all of them and you know just do it anyway. So pick four. Uh, cards in contention. There's an Infused Guardian, a Carindon Steward, and a Coastal Beastmaster. Ugh, the All-Stars. I all know. Up once. And you took the Steward here. I took the Steward, and know what? I regret it. <laughs> I, this, I forgot. You, yeah, you can never know, though. I know. But see, because... Never pass a steward was an old rule that I lived by. But my <laughs> new rule is never pass a beastmaster. And because I had the astrologer in my deck, I went with steward and didn't live up to my new rule, which is never pass a beastmaster. Yeah, yeah. I, this is one of those picks where you're just left kind of with your bias and what you already have. <laughs> yeah. It was still early in the pit pack. And yeah. early in the draft in general to say you're going one direction or another, but I, I also would have picked Stewart here because I think the three of them are are fairly close and yeah, the Steward keeps me closer to astrologer. astrologer. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I, no I, I don't think he did anything wrong there. So then pick five. Uh cards in contention. There's not much. There's a Dune Painter, which is the three fire two two. Your amplify costs are reduced by one. 
um, Surveiller and Frost Talisman. And I took the Frost Talisman. This this is close. I, I actually think Token of Vision should be in the discussion also. Hmm. Um, just for <laughs> uh, general ability to splash things. And uh, at this point in the draft, I'm not sure. I, I think t- Talisman is pretty impactful in certain decks. Um, and I think its upside is higher. I'm pretty sure that's that's probably what you were thinking when you picked it, too. Yeah, and the other thing is, at least recently, I don't know if this is universally true, but I've had a lot of decks where I've wished I had a talisman and haven't had a talisman. And I feel like they haven't been getting passed to me as late as they used to be. So I just thought, there's not much going on in this pack, so I might as well just take sort of an earlier talisman. Yeah, and what's the... There's the elf that searches for relics that cost... Swindler. Swindler. Yeah, I think Swindler is is the type of card also that pushes me towards Frost Talismans a lot because it's one of my favorite cards to retrieve up with a Swindler. Because if you're at five, you're already close to activation time with Talisman. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the being, being able to, to pull one out of your deck pretty easily... Though that that's kind of a fringe example, but I, like like I was saying earlier, talisman seems to ha- like combine with certain strategies really well, and and you can kind of slide your way into the relic matters deck potentially as well. Yeah, yeah. Though I think frost talisman is kind of good in just about any deck is sort of a you know a, a late game safety blanket. It it the. One time I wouldn't suggest going too crazy on Frost Talismans is if you were primal, super aggressive, like Ixton aggro. Uh-huh. Ta- Frost Talismans are just kind of a slow stun in those decks. But yeah, right. you didn't look like you were going real aggressive here, so Talisman seems great. Yeah, not yet. Pick six, uh, again, not a great pack, I think. Uh, there's a Shingane Forge, which is the five fire fire relic. When you play a unit, create and draw a plus two, plus one weapon. There's another Surveiller, and there's a Broken Wing Brawler. I took the Shingane Forge. I'm not actually a huge fan of Shingane Forge, but I figured that I would probably get Surveillers if (laughs) my deck needed Surveillers. And, you know, a Shingane Forge is maybe, is because it's an uncommon, it's probably slightly less likely to appear. So those were actually the two cards that I was kind of debating in my head. So are you thinking Token of Vision? I, <laughs> I am looking at the Token of Vision again. Yeah, just I, I like Karendon a lot of times. Um, and also I like picking tokens when there's I'm not losing anything. Yeah. So that would be the real question I'm asking myself here is like, because I, w- I would never take, like there's an aerial spotter, which I really like. Um, in a lot of decks, actually, I don't think it's as bad as people think it is. Um, and the Broken Wing Brawler is serviceable in the right deck, but I wouldn't take either of those Justice cards over the token fixing for Justice and stuff first. Yes, in this, in this situation here, but the you know, like the upside of Forge is pretty high. So that's those are the two I'm looking at: is Token of Vision and the Forge. So I, I don't know. I don't know what I would have <laughs> done. It would have been close. It, it Forge is hard to make much sense of when you're looking at the rest of what you have. You got yeah. a Frost, frost Wave, a Frost Talisman, a Carindon Steward, an Astrologer, 
and a Howling Peak smuggler. Though I, a forge looks pretty good in a market, so it could be something to fetch up in the right in the right hand. So I went with forge. Um, I wasn't really excited about any of those cards. A pick seven. Uh, cards in contention are Wind Cloak, which is the two primal pay four to give a unit flying for the turn. A Coastal Beastmaster, a Flickerling, and a Token of Knowledge. And this time, I took the Beastmaster. Nice. Yep. And he, he, it's still way too early to, you know, say you're in one specific deck, I think. Right, because I feel like I keep getting... There's no... Have been really no clear signals for, in my estimation. No. Yeah, I think that that's a good kick you know a good point as well i i do i've seen other people mention that they they have had success in this format by figuring out which shard is which like trifaction shard is open and just diving into that and making that work and i've done i've done that to to a certain degree myself as well but i i do think that you you want to play it a little slow just to see what pack two and packs three pack three are going to hold for you because sometimes it it can be such an insane mismatch that you're going to end up with a just a terrible deck so yeah you've you've taken a couple cards like frost wave and karen and steward and and stuff that are you know splashable potentially even and beastmaster isn't necessarily i mean he's kind of a splashable depending on which direction you go but it looks like you got you got rewarded for staying open. Yeah, so I rounded out the pack with a Firemane Lioness, a Mighty Strikes, and a Bear Arms. Nice. Wow, too, like those are really great cards to get this late. Yes. Yeah, so that was very good. The one thing I would say is all of those are pretty good cards in um, Ixton or um, in Ixton, but my only units really are Karen and Stewart and an elder astrologer going into pack two. Yeah. And a fire main lioness. So then, uh, pick, uh, pack two, pick one. Um, I didn't take a picture, but I took us, uh, the sky crag Wyvark, which is the five primal primal three, three, uh, flying killer. I figured I would add another double influence card to my pool. <laughs> to yeah, go with Elder Astrologer and Shingane Forge. Make it really easy on yourself. Yeah. Okay. So then um pack two, pick two. Cards in contention. There's a Sandbinder Sentinel, which is the five time time four six. Play a sandbind on an enemy unit with flying. There's a Gruon form. Uh there is an ice bow, and there's a lockhorns. So not great cards. Yeah, obviously not a great pack if you're mentioning Lockhorns. Yeah. (laughs) On pick two. Yeah, you just took the Sandbinder Sentinel, right? I did. It's just, it's so much more powerful than any of the other cards. And so I figured I should pick it and then see if that is a sign of things to come. If time comes open. Yep. This is your first time card, though. It is my first time card. But, like, none of the other cards, like, all the other cards are totally replaceable. Yeah. And, like, you know, some people are higher on Ice Bow than I am, but I feel like you want to be in Ice Bow's at its best 
paired with time and all its deadly units. Well, you got you got your Karen and Stewart for it. Oh, that's Joe. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that's super relevant. I mean, you do have some good blue, so I guess there there could have been an argument to be made for Ice Bow. But you're yeah. also, like you mentioned, you're low on units a little bit. So pick three, pack two, pick three. Cards in contention, there's a Xenon Stranger, a Granite Acolyte, and a Dispel. Um, and I only mention the Dispel be- as the most powerful time card in the pack, so not a great time pack either. So I just took the Acolyte. Yeah. It's pretty close with the Stranger, <clears throat> potentially, like depending on where you are at, you know, in your draft. But I think you're early enough that you still want to be taking the most powerful cards and waiting to see what <laughs> your deck is shaping up to look like. E- though, yeah. though I gotta say, this this draft, you didn't do anything wrong really at any point. It just is looking like a broken draft. <laughs> It's, it looks it, like one of those drafts where it's like, okay, and in this pack, the only playable card is a time card. In this pack, the only good card is uh, in this faction. So it's just been taking you all over the place. Because it, it didn't give you like as many moments to pick like a slightly less powerful card that works with your colors better, you know? Yeah. Which, which I feel like sometimes you make those concessions if you have something super powerful like an elder astrologer (laughs) right you kind of want to be thinking about shadow strongly because that card tends to win games yeah and i think if this stranger had been anything but a xenon stranger i might have taken it but i just felt like i really didn't need the time influence and i had gotten past all those late fire cards in pack one so I just thought the Granite Acolyte, I mean, the Xenon Stranger is always a safe pick, but I figured the Granite Acolyte would make my deck. You could have just moved all in on five color <laughs> good stuff and just take Yeah, I, but I didn't even have a base for that. It was just like, I still have no, no base. So that's why I went Granite Acolyte there. Okay, so pack two, pick four, cards in contention. There's a Lethri Secret Weaver. There's, um, which is the three primal, primal, three, three, pay four and discard a spell to draw two cards. There's the life drinker, which is the three shadow, uh, two, two relic weapon. Summon, you gain life steal this turn. There's a sky crag stranger and a rebel sharpshooter. And I took the sky crag stranger. Yeah, I think that's the discipline pick. It's close. It's a little close with rebel sharpshooter, but yeah, I like just picking up a stranger and, being Skycrag Stranger is helping you get to Acolyte and your Howling Peak Smuggler and your Frostwave. And yeah, My, it's doing quite a bit for you. And Coastal Beastmaster, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, it, I think that was the safest. <laughs> yeah, and I was really valuing, I'm like really valuing the color fixing because this draft is such a mess. We're, we're getting close to where, you know, like Isomorphic always said, not always said, but, you know, he, he said the one time we <laughs> talked to him that he, he stays open till halfway through pack two. And we're approaching about that point where you, you do want to start thinking about a cohesive strategy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unfortunately, this deck did not present much to me. So then <laughs> pack two, pick five uh, cards in contention are... Eileen's Choice, which is the three Justice Primal, 
uh, negate an enemy spell with cost four or more, or kill an attacking enemy unit with cost or with power four or more. There's an Umbran Death Watcher, which is the three shadow shadow one one plus one plus one for each unit in your void, and a Bold Adventurer as the best time card in the deck. <laughs> and I took Eileen's choice. Yeah, five. You went full five faction here. <laughs> no, I already had a Coastal Beastmaster and a Bear Arms. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. I, I I don't disagree with this pick at all. Island's Choice is a very, very strong card. And I haven't been seeing any shadow cards in these packs in pack two. And all the good shadow cards I saw were early in pack one. So I just put my hope in Coastal Beastmaster. The rest of the pack was not great. I got a Copper Hall Recruit. I got a Rally. You got a Sledge. I got a sledge. That's pretty good. And that's about it. So then um, pick uh, pack three, pick one. Uh, this one was just kind of interesting. There's a Sinsari Brig- Brigand, um, which is the three fire fire, two, two charge, deals double damage to players. There's a Seek Power. There's a Rakano Banner and a Finest Hour. And I actually took the Seek Power. One reason is I haven't played with the Sensari Brigand, and so I really didn't have a sense of how powerful it was. And then two, you know, I mean, and then Finest Hour is a good card. Um, but I'm low on units, so I would probably take the Brigand before the Finest Hour. But I also just have a lot of different colors, so I figured the Seek Power was the safest pick. Yeah, I like going with Seek Power, too. I, I think uh, this Ansari Brigand is not as good as it looks because the the double fire cost is kind of prohibitive in the format yeah. right now. Because, you know, a lot of your tokens and bannermen and stuff, like I've said many times before, you like s- setting up your turns properly is hard when a lot of times your deck really wants, you know, like three factions especially to to be operating smoothly and something like brigand rarely is able to come down on curve and double damage to players versus just double damage is it's way worse pack three pick two uh cards in contention are there's a parapet century which is the five fire fire plus two plus two while you have a relic deal three damage to a enemy player and creature with flying there's the changey stick and there's a huru banner and I took the changey stick, which was maybe I don't I don't know what it I don't know what it was. <laughs> I I mean, it's unfortunate that you're this this might be a moment where you would want like a really solid two drop more than a changey stick, because you're at this point looking at just fire main lioness and sky craig stranger you're only two drops yeah and even your three drops you're sitting on two oh. with granite acolyte and howling peak stranger so this is it's looking tough as far as the unit count goes so <laughs> you it's like changey stick you always kind of want them but this this is one of those moments where you're like man i really kind of need something to put changey stick on yeah first (laughs) and i really don't have many units so that was maybe making me think i should take the parapet sentry which is actually i I do think it's a really good unit it might have been the pick here just considering how low you were on unit count 
And then I continued to not get any units. But I got another changey stick. I got a jump kick. I got a Xenian Stranger, a Banished Umbrin, and a, a couple other shadow cards. It looks like you got a, a cudgel too, a Copper Hall cudgel. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. A uh, Copper Hall cud- cudgel, yeah. Which is a yeah, good Yeah, you have insane weapons right now. So you're sitting on, you got Sledge, Copper Hall cudgel, double changey stick, and bear arms. So you have all of the best weapons. So, yeah, I, I feel like going into pack, pack four. You that you have to be super in the zone, just <laughs> looking for nothing but the early yes. aggressive units. Okay, this is maybe where the wheels truly fall off. So pack four, pick one cards in contention. There's a Crown Watch Captain, which is the six Justice Justice. There's a Courier Albatross, uh, which is a three Primal two two flying amplify three plus one plus one draw card, and then there's a Hard Sight Cyclops, which is the four Fire Fire four three uh, exhausted enemy unit on amplify. And I took the Captain. I, I think Al- I think Albatross is slightly better. Yeah, I agree that I, Albatross. I think uh, specifically in the deck you you have too. With some of these really powerful early weapons and stuff too, having bare arms and cudgel and ruination sledge. I agree. You know what I think my problem was is I didn't have a single primal unit yet, and so I was still thinking of primal as my heavy splash. While I did have, I had a couple justice. You know, I had the four cost two five, and then. This is also primal, but we had the Coastal Beastmaster. So I was just thinking that I was fire justice with the splash of the primal. Yeah, I think I think even even if that was the case, I still think Albatross is fitting this the, yeah. this deck better. And the the captain Crownwatch captain, he you know, it's just a kind of a five five for six. <laughs> with the the extra pumping effect is not super relevant especially in this list specifically right now but he protects all your precious weapons when you put them on him <laughs> that's that's true but he can get chump blocked for days by you know little one ones and two drops and stuff whereas weaponizing an albatross and even the argument that on six i almost would rather have albatross plus a card than a just a five five for six um, yeah, and then I also added justice, justice into my in- influence requirements. It was not, it was not a good decision. I agree. Okay, speaking of bad decisions piling onto each other, so pack four, pick two, uh, cards of contention. There's a cliff diver, mantisaur, an oni forge master, and a barrel throw, and an unmoored Valkyrie, which and is an quite, Valkyrie. quite good in this list too. Yeah, and I just couldn't help myself. <laughs> I took the Mantisaur. Yeah, I think you really wanted one of the either the Forge Master or the Unmoored Valkyrie. Yeah, I think I really wanted the Forge Master. Pro- probably it looks like Forge Master is pretty solid with yeah. the double changey stick bear arms, Ruination Sledge, Copper Hulk Cudgel, <laughs> Granite Acolyte. Oh my gosh, you have so many great ways to trigger Forge Master. This is definitely a Forge Master deck. It's hard to pass up a Manasaur, but you you also are kind of already 
you have some decent stuff to do at five. And okay, so that ends our draft picks. But the deck that I ended up with is very unit light. I only ended up with sort of 15 playable units. <laughs> that includes flashing Elder Astrologer, which is maybe not the route you want to go. So that, yeah. yeah, that's a hard splash. <laughs> How did you even do that? <laughs> I'm looking at you. It's looking a little rough. I think you can win games. You haven't played any yet, have you? I, I lo- I've lost my first game with it. Okay. And I think since this is my deck, I'm just going to camp the rest of the month so I can get my top 100. Oh, yeah, that's right. You haven't, you haven't secured that yet. You going to play in that tournament if it, when it happens? Probably not, but at least my name will be there. What if it's like a huge roundtable draft? Well, I will see. I got to... That, that's like my fantasy right now is that they get everybody queued up at the same time and everybody opens a pack and every and like we pass it in this huge circle like hundreds of guys drafting at the same time i did mention in the last ecq that um yeah multiple LS, formats yeah lsv used the word formats and i got really excited because he, he he seemed excited too about what they're gonna be hopefully i won't be in the middle of <laughs> my farming season and have no time so that's the end of our show today hope everyone enjoyed that uh once again please give us a five-star rating and review on itunes stitcher google play to help um, people find us and thumbs up all of barefoot farmers reddit posts again to help people find us and send all your seven win deck lists to farming eternal at gmail.com and you can just send that as an exported deck list or a screenshot, whichever works better for you. Um, though the exported deck list is a little bit easier for us now. And if you see anyone uh, mention having a 7-win deck list, please uh, tell them about our deck, our spreadsheet and uh, where they can find us. And remember to keep on farming. Bye. See you later. Okay, cool. You, we're not doing the bonus this time? No, no, it's 9.30. I have to <laughs> drive home now. I called I at the end of the farming day to see how my wife was, and she hung up on me, so this is already... And I go and I text you, and what do you say? You're like, oh, I'm running a little late. I'm like, oh, great, this is, on a, this is a recipe oh. for disaster. <laughs>